welcome back to the domcast everybody this is actually the very first time that i don't know for sure which episode it is you remember i used to do this if y'all remember back to the uh bro i don't even remember that channel i used to do the podcast on and it, it was like a stupid bit but sometimes i legit didn't know the episode of the podcast uh okay it looks like this would be episode 12 which might be confusing to y'all i realize because on spotify it says like episode 30 because i picked up at a random place whatever it's episode 12 of this season. I am here on a Monday morning, had a busy weekend. Plus, I just kind of wanted to let some of the games yesterday play out. Football was on. Um, so I just wanted to let everything pay, play out before I got on and had some of my thoughts for the weekend. <laughs> oh, do I have some? Because this is fun, man. All-star stuff came out, yada, yada. Before I get into all of that, the podcast is on Spotify. It is on Apple Podcasts. Thank you all so much on Spotify, mostly uh, for the ratings if you can and if you do listen to it on spotify it is helping a lot so just press a little star there it's very easy it's right where you click on my podcast and rate it five stars i don't really ever uh talk about that for apple Podcasts because it really despite everyone having iphones and whatnot it doesn't really feel like people are using apple Podcasts. so but if you are ratings they're appreciated too very much appreciated for y'all we can get this up to 500 ratings get some new people listening to me spew nonsense for an hour and speaking of nonsense that is where we will start we're not even gonna waste any time man wasting no time getting into the all-star starters so the eastern conference is about what you would expect my exact lineup came to fruition trey young demar Derozan, and then the three most sure all-star starters in history Giannis, Embiid, kd except kd won't be there so he will be replaced my assumption especially after the monk tatum has had is that he will take that starting spot i'm sorry hold on give me a second i just need to move my mic away because i realize sometimes my my breaths get into the mic and it's, it distracts me maybe it doesn't distract you anyways yeah i think tatum will take it uh, I, i've heard jimmy butler's name uh floated around there i think with the amount of games he missed he'll probably be a reserve if he does make it um but yeah i could see tatum getting that either way Sure thing, I'm glad Trey Young got his love. There was a time where it seemed like James Harden might take that spot. I was like, man, Harden has been off and on this entire season. Trey Young has been better than he was last season. It's just his team hasn't. He really should be an all-star starter. He did get it. To me, that was the only question, and it was answered. There is also a conversation about DeMar DeRozan, which I guess since I'm on the east side, let's just go ahead and get into it now. This did not start with Lowe on Twitter, Legend of Winning. The very first person I heard raise this issue was Nikias and, and Steve. Well, really, it's Nikias on the dunker spot. He was the first person in Twitter, actually. It was really on Twitter where I saw him first raise it. It was weeks ago. And he had a problem with DeMar DeRozan being able to be voted into the All-Star game as a two. Because for the Chicago Bulls, he does not play the two. Their lineup is Ball, Levine, DeRozan, uh, whoever they can fill the power forward spot with because that's they've had injuries to hell. Sometimes DeMar is the starting power forward. And then there's uh, Vooch. But uh, th there goes the problem right there, right? Sometimes DeMar is the power forward. Mainly, he's a small forward. But he's able to be voted in as the shooting guard. We do know DeRozan as a shooting guard from his years in Toronto. As a matter of fact, just so this is... Today, I have most of my pages that I'm going to use pulled up, but this one is kind of on a whim, so I didn't. If you look at the listings of DeMar DeRozan throughout his career, he's literally listed as a shooting guard every single year of his career up until now. Even if it isn't how he's been used, but yeah, DeRozan was always in the shooting guard conversations. Uh, that's where the Michael Jordan comparisons came from that were a meme until this season. <laughs> Speaking of Michael Jordan, I, I should type that down. Should I tell yeah, I should I should actually for the very end, MJ. Right, yeah, I should I should I should chat about that a little bit. 
Anyways, yeah, so small forward this year. And he's voted as a shooting guard. And what Legend of Wind... So, Nakai has talked about it, and he... he didn't really raise hell about it, but uh, low, you, you know, very smart Twitter tactician. He put it in a way that got tons and tons of interaction. Um, and he says that, did I just use the term Twitter tactician? It is not that serious. <laughs> um, I don't have a sound effect for that. He, he His tweet basically said that people are mad at Wiggins being an all-star starter. Low key, DeRozan being an all-star starter is more problematic. And he didn't elaborate right there. My very first assumption, I was like, yeah, I thought it was on the thought it was on the henny for the night. You know, we we have those nights, right? You pop a bottle and you just start tweeting. If I ever do that, normally I stop tweeting after like the first two, just so I don't I don't ruin myself, ruin the brand. But uh, yeah, I assumed he was drinking at first, and I was like, ah, oh, wait a minute, he might, because there was just no elaboration. I was like, ah, oh, he might be talking about the position problem. Which, if Demar Derozan was being voted for the position that he played. No, he wouldn't start over KD. Uh, no, he wouldn't start over y'all. Like, he wouldn't get a front court spot. He would not be starting. I think that Lowe elaborated on it in a space. I did see a tweet about that. I was not in the space. So if he had a different explanation, forgive me. But I, I think that's pretty much where he was going with it. Um, so how do I feel about it? Because he's definitely he's definitely small forward this year. Maybe used as a shooting guard sometimes. Um, it, it's kind of questionable i don't even know if it's questionable about what he was really doing for san antonio that's like again that's just like a redacted part of his history at this point um well i want to see DeRozan starting in the small in the, in the all-star game so <laughs> that's how i feel about it i don't care um if he hadn't have been voted as a two who would we be looking at right now uh, somebody else would have slid up into that spot so maybe you would have had levine there which i also wouldn't have minded or maybe you would have had harden uh, I personally want to see DeRozan as an all-star starter, but I will at least say it is, I, I would like the explanation. And if somebody in the comments has it, or if you want to slide my DMs, I, I would like to hear what you think about that, because it is kind of strange that a listed starting small forward that at times plays power forward, maybe not a ton of minutes, but the times he starts there gets voted as a two. That is, that is strange. I will say that it does make me think, but y'all have now been listening to the podcast all-star talk I've, I've talked about all-star talk probably like the last three weeks now you know i just want to see a good game that's all i care about and i want to see the most the, the most fun players which is why i didn't care that gobert wasn't going to make it at a certain point i realized he wasn't going to make it as a starter i did not care uh, even though i had him on my original ballot um of course the utah jazz just haven't had anything good happen both he and mitchell have been out utah has been sputtering because of it and the western conference the Wiggins propaganda prevails. Let's go. Incredible. Now, I just want to say I never meant to take it this far. I think most of y'all that listen to this podcast probably follow me on Twitter because that's where I announce it first. And you're very familiar, if you do, with my Wiggins propaganda. It's something that's been going on since last year, ever since he became a warrior, basically. When he got traded to the Warriors, I was like, all right, I see the vision here. This is great. You got a, a small forward with the tools that can really be a, a fit on this team. He's going to get some open looks. Um, he can focus on his defense. Hopefully being a part of this Warriors culture, he'll work on his game. I saw the vision and I started spreading the propaganda immediately. They didn't make the playoffs last year. Wiggins wasn't particularly great last year, uh, but he came in this year and I didn't mean for it to go <laughs> I didn't mean for it to go this far, bro. I did not mean for it to go this far forever and ever and ever. You will now see that Andrew Wiggins was an all-star starter, which is particularly particularly 
particularly hilarious. Just if you look back at the articles that were written about this guy when he was on the Timberwolves, I remember the one that was just saying he was the worst basketball player ever. And even I, I won't even sit here in front. You'll probably find tweets of me laughing about how much money he got paid and how he hadn't really improved in Minnesota. But nothing good happens in Minnesota, bro. It just doesn't. What's happening with them right now where they are. Let's see. And I'm going to be talking about Minnesota a little bit later, um, really about their past. Well, they are 25 and 25 and they are looking like they can be a play-in team at best or maybe six seed. This is as good as it ever gets for the Timberwolves. Nothing good happens there. And so um, talk about Wiggins being there and just kind of existing until he got traded. That, hey, man, it's Minnesota. At certain places, even like Aaron Gordon, when Aaron Gordon got traded from the Magic, I was like, the whole time he was down here, I was always saying, all right, I'm going to wait until he until they trade him, and then I'm going to judge. And lo and behold, he's having a good season for the Nuggets. If the Nuggets were healthy, I really think they would be a championship team, partly because of that trade that happened. I always wait until t guys are traded out certain squads before I really put a verdict out. And uh, yeah, so seeing Wiggins here, I will say this. So starter, obviously, it's not all my fault. I don't I don't have the power. That's really the Bay Area. that did that. But the Wiggins propaganda probably helped. I did see some takes that he wasn't an all star at all. And to that, I, I would I would say this right as plainly as I can. I don't understand how you could watch Andrew Wiggins or the Warriors this year and not think he was at least an all star. I actually thought it was common knowledge that he was going to be an all star before the vote started, before the vote started happening. I was watching this season. I was watching how he's playing on both sides of the ball, looking at the Warriors record and how important he's been to that. I didn't think there was a chance that he wouldn't be an all-star. You can maybe make some arguments for some other guys, but I saw that coming. And so I don't think this should catch anybody by surprise to the point that, oh man, this, this non-all-star player has been voted as an all-star starter. Now, where the type of propaganda that that's going to be used for, of course, when they make it to the playoffs or they make it to the finals, whatever happens, happens. All star starter Andrew Wiggins is good. It's going to be a weapon for some people. <laughs> um, and I, this kind of goes back to the conversation that I used to have in the past about Hall of Fame players and just saying that, hey, there's levels to this. Right. So don't come to me and tell me, oh, X or this team had X amount of Hall of Fame players. And then I find out the Hall of Fame player was like a, a, a mid-level guy who got a bunch of rings because he was a part of this team. And he was good, but you're calling him Hall of Famer, calling him Hall of Famer and calling Larry Bird Hall of Famer are not the same things. I, I just always try to um, like if you read the book of basketball with Bill Simmons and he talks about how he thought the Hall of Fame should be redone and how there should be tears there. I, I think that's I think he said something like that. I read that book years ago. Either way, I, I saw that somewhere and that absolutely should be a thing. Because I'd been sick of that back when I used to participate in those type of arguments. I'd been sick of people just stacking a team with like five or six Hall of Famers. And I'm like, bro, one of those Hall of Famers you're talking about could absolutely not hold his own on his own team. He could not do the things that, you, that you're trying to make it seem like he did. So anyways, I just say that to say for Andrew Wiggins. Um, he is still not the guy being an all-star starter, being an all-star in general. He is still not the guy that I want to be a number two for the Warriors come the playoffs. So they're figuring a lot of things out right now. Got to get Draymond back. Got to get Steph out of his shooting slump or he needs to make another deal with the devil. Which one? I don't know. And I'm basically looking and going. This is great, but it's kind of him. He and Jordan Poole have always been placeholders to me throughout this season so Jordan Poole's development awesome um I, I'm kind of monitoring how he's fitting 
with Clay Thompson being back, because that is a big adjustment to go from the role that he had uh, throughout the season to now it's like, okay, I got to come behind Clay. It's a very big thing for him, which I had kind of, I think I mentioned that way back when, when we were anticipating Clay's return. Uh, but they were always placeholders for me. And I was saying for the Warriors to be a championship team, I'm assuming Clay is going to come back and be healthy. And he and Steph are going to be able to do their thing. And that's who you lean on. Those are the actions that you lean on. Not Jordan Poole giving you 20 or 25. And same thing with Wiggins. It's great to have, but that's not those. That's not he's not the type of all star I want to lean on. There's certain all stars that I want to lean on. Right. Jason Tatum, you lean on him. Obviously, uh, anybody uh, DeRozan, you lean on him. Those are all stars that you lean on for the playoffs and that you want your team to lean on. That's not where Wiggins is. All right. Just wanted to put that out there. Even with all that said, I don't I just don't understand. I cannot fathom a way that you've watched him play this year. And come to the conclusion that he didn't deserve his all star spot. I, ca I cannot come up with that in my mind. <clears throat> I've watched the most basketball I've ever watched this year. Even the games that I miss, I go back and I review thoroughly. I, I do a lot of building for teams that sometimes I, I can't catch all their games. And I'm saying, OK, you know, I'm interested in this player and dissecting what he did for this night. Then on another night, it's this player. Like I've been able to build a really good picture of what happens with a lot of these squads. I cannot put together any. I can't put together anything in my head. That should make his all star appearance a surprise. That's what I'm going to say. That's how I feel about that, because that was a big thing on Twitter yesterday. I just I don't understand it. I do not understand it. Um, either way, he is one of your all star starters, along with John Morant, Steph Curry, Jokic, Braun. Uh, Paul George being hurt definitely opened the door. So along with the Wiggins propaganda, uh, PG randomly disappearing has definitely opened that because he was having a really good season. You might forget at the beginning. Um, I, I think he would have certainly got that spot. He did not. I had anticipated him being out, which is why I started to say, okay, well, that's that front court spot is opening up. That's kind of where I had Rudy Gobert. And uh, that's, those all-star returns came in and realized quickly in Utah, they, they might not produce a starter anytime in the near future because they don't get no love out there. I think that's going to matter to Donovan Mitchell's future, but that's not the conversation right now. Um, LeBron being there, of course. Um, John Morant was the other one, so... You got to remember around the time when I had Donovan Mitchell in that two spot, Jaw had been out for basically a month. The thing is, he came back and he trailblazed. So deservingly so, he gets that spot. Once again, Not I won't, I'm not complaining. John Moran is, at this point, since we only have a part-time Kyrie, John Moran might be my favorite player to watch. Uh, I, he, he gives me so much Derrick Rose nostalgia. And it, it really feels like... In terms of super explosive point guards, he is finishing what Westbrook and Rose started. That's what I see. So he, he gets that spot and he trailblazed and his team trailblazed. And uh, it, it became and then Donovan Mitchell's gone out. So it became kind of clear that he he wasn't going to get that starting spot. And that was clear from the first vote returns, too. So uh, my, my jazz agenda is dead. So with that, I kind of with the Donovan Mitchell thing, right? Here's what I wanted to show you all. Because the player votes, <laughs> NBA, uh, hold on, 2022 All-Star player votes, right? I want to show y'all something. Because if you didn't know, players do get votes. Players get votes. Uh, they get to vote for each other, get to vote for themselves. And I'm going to go back to Donovan Mitchell in a second. But just to set the table for it, I just wanted to show you the fuckery that happens. Because this is incredible. The, what, and you don't even need to go through all... It, it's pages and pages of information, so you don't need to go through all of it. You just have to pull up one page and just it just 
start questioning everything you think about NBA players and their composure and their thought process. Because on Twitter last night, I posted the 2022 Eastern Conference front court NBA vote totals. You have the player total votes and the fan total votes. So the player total votes, that's guys like that's guys like Jason Tatum saying, hey, I vote for this guy. I, I'm pretty sure they can vote for themselves because TJ Warren has one vote. Dwayne Dedman has two votes. Honcho Hernan Gomez, two votes. Robin Lopez, two votes. Goga Batadze, three votes. <laughs> Mason Plumley has two votes. PJ Washington had seven players vote for him to be an all-star. Not even saying he's a bad player, but he had seven NBA players that looked at him and said, yeah, he's an all-star. Troy Brown Jr. had two votes. Daniel Gafford. I respect him, man. Every time he dunks, he yells. I, I, I am absolutely certain that he averages the most yells per open dunk this season. He had three players that said he's an all-star. Wendell Carter. Great future ahead of him. I really think he's a part of the, uh, Orlando's finally, maybe, somewhat bright future. He had three votes. You see where I'm going with this? Davis Bertans had two. Sadiq Bay, part-time Sadiq Trey this season had two votes. What is so that's where I'm just setting the table, right? Just showing you how weird this is. Now, if I come here and and I have not looked at this yet, so bear with me. I'm looking at this with you guys. If I go to the Western Conference guards, I'm going to assume because you hate Donovan Mitchell, you the fans hate Donovan Mitchell. Uh, and and you the fans hate the Utah Jazz. I'm pretty sure the players hate the Utah Jazz as well. And by extension, Donovan Mitchell. So if I were to find and they don't have this in any kind of order, by the way. Okay, so Donovan Mitchell had 17 player votes. Dejounte Murray is having a good season. He had 24 votes. All right, Dejounte Murray is having a good. I will say that again. Dejounte, you I've I've done Dejounte Murray talk on this podcast, right? Okay, you you understand that I understand his game. He has the most unique looking floater in the NBA, in my opinion. Uh, love him and Keldon Johnson. And I even thought he had he def, he had an all-star argument this year. And may still. I don't know what's happening in the West. He had seven more player votes than Donovan Mitchell. No, 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 no. And no again. No. That's tough. No. No. I'm sorry if these sound effects are yelling in your ear. I'm trying to find one that actually goes with it bro I'm, I'm gonna keep going okay so uh, donovan mitchell has 17 who else had more than him shay gill just had more than him shay shay's having a nice season it's uh, it's off and on still he's having a nice season as well i can pick better examples than Dejounte and shy or and shay but still no who else had more than 17 here i know somebody else had more than 17 here okay actually it's not that bad it's actually not as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's actually not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Anthony Edwards had more votes than him at 18. Desmond Bain almost had the same number of votes as Donovan Mitchell. He had 16. Desmond Bain, most improved player conversation. Big, big part of what Memphis is doing. Love how his game is improved. He is, if you don't watch his game, he is not just a standstill three-point shooter. He catches, he attacks closeouts. He, uh, he has to pull up going for himself. I love what Desmond Bain is adds to this Grizzlies team. And I think a big part of how far they go in the future is how much more he improves. I cannot fathom how he had one less player vote than Donovan Mitchell this season. So that's basically... <laughs> Nikhil Alexander Walker had five player votes. Nikhil, okay, do you know anything about Nikhil Alexander? Hey yo, what the fuck? 
I'm just going to tell you, and I, I didn't, I don't think I put it on the podcast last week. Who were the Pelicans playing? I think they were playing the Indiana Pacers. Bear with me. And he, the game was close. It was a one possession game. If I can remember this correctly, because I meant to do this spiel on the podcast last week, he got a rebound. He got an offensive rebound. And all he had to do was pass it out and run more clock. Instead, he went up with a 100% contested shot around like three guys. And I think Indiana got possession back because of that. Could have ended up costing them the game. Don't understand how he didn't have the situational awareness to realize it, but he went right back up with it in traffic. Nikhil Alexander-Walker did not deserve a single all-star player vote. I've seen flat from the time he was drafted. I seen I was excited about him. I saw flashes from him. Um, but one thing about thing about Naw is that he he ain't saying Naw to any type of shot. I don't know about that one. I ain't gonna lie to you. Huh? Jose Alvarado, the New Orleans Pelicans rookie, who by the way Joel Embiid played paid his fine, which I thought was a was a really cool gesture. Uh, last week he got a technical foul or something like that. Went after a ref. Got fined, obviously, don't have a bag yet. And Joel Embiid said, I love his passion. I respect that. And he paid his fine. That is actually one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So I'm going to assume Joel Embiid voted as one of these six votes. He has one of the six votes for him. Mike Conley has five. Oh, my God. Jose Alvarado has more votes than Mike Conley. Good. Derek White for the San Antonio Spurs has the same amount of votes as Mike Conley. Devontae Graham of the Pelicans has seven votes. He had two more than Mike Conley. People hate Utah, bro. Tyrese Halliburton only had one player vote. I'm going to ask him if he voted for himself. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm really about to text him and ask him if he voted for himself. That ass. I, I, I got to. <laughs> I really have to. I have to know if he voted for himself. He's having a he's having a good uh good season, by the way. I know Philly would have liked to make that work and paired him with Joel Embiid. I, I would have liked to see that myself. I'm about to ask him, okay, can players vote for themselves? Anyways, my bad. I'm, I'm podcasting right now. Um... Okay, so I'm done reading all-star play. You, you get the fuckery that I'm saying, right? I could fill up an entire hour long uh, of potting with, with just the player vote fuckery. Um, that that's that it's comedy, man. It's comedy. It's a very unserious process. The starters are what they are. Uh, you, you remember last year when it when LeBron and KD was snickering about Utah on live TV? We get it, bro. Nobody nobody likes anything to do with Utah. Some of the players that have almost the same amount of votes as Donovan Mitchell is just downright wrong. And then even the like the Pelicans rookie had more than Mike Conley. That's just wrong, man. The, the NBA is a, is a brotherhood and it has sections. It, it has different sections inside the, the brotherhoods. It's it's a it's a whole thing, man. Well, that's basically what I had to say about the all-star starters. Wiggins is an all-star starter, whether you like it or not. Um... Yeah, for entertainment purposes, I really wish it probably would have been somebody else, I guess. Who else would we put there? Like I, I had said, if, if y'all weren't going to put Gobert there, I would have liked to have maybe seen Cat get a front court spot. Whatever. It's it's a whole thing. They're substitutions, right? It's not a big problem. If we're talking about all-star talk, we should probably bounce to just talking about what they've done with the rookie sophomore challenge or the rising star challenge. So the format has been changed. It will now be featuring four seven-player teams competing in a three-game tournament. And each game is going to have a final target score. So what I remember, they're trying to honor the NBA 75th season. So game one will be the 25. Game two will be the 25. And then, uh, 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 is that how it goes? 
uh game one and two i actually don't remember it, it's something about it equaling 75 or i'm not gonna lie to you it was kind of confusing it's gonna be 28 players it's gonna be a pool of 28 players um 12 rookies 12 sophomores and four g league ignite players so i'm very excited to see who they choose i think you'll see some names maybe uh marjon bochamp dyson mcdaniels scoot henderson hopefully and uh maybe Jaden Jaden hardy uh, of course i've been keeping up with ignite for obvious reasons and I think one of them are going to be on each roster. I think it's how it goes. So, and then there's some shooting competition. It's called the Clorox Clutch Challenge, but I'm not going through the particulars of that. How do I feel about it? I think it's cool. I, I like when the NBA tries new things on All-Star Weekend. I've watched every single All-Star Weekend since the year, what, like 2007 now? Um, when they changed the All-Star format for Kobe a couple of years ago, I thought it was awesome. I thought they basically fixed the All-Star game at that point. It's a beautiful thing. It made it more entertaining. I'm always up for them doing different things. Uh, with the Rising Stars Challenge, that kind of feels like people hadn't really cared about it much. So now they're trying to reinvigorate it. I think that's great. I think they should keep doing this, i.e. get rid of the celebrity game. Celebrity game is not fun anymore. It's not fun. Kevin Hart had a run where he, I think he made it fun. It's not fun. I'd like to see it go. Not trying to see Ronnie 2K out there uh, and and whoever else. Like, it's just, it's not a fun experience. It's not a fun experience to me. So, clip that. You could change the dunk contest. Hell, do something to the dunk contest. I don't think the dunk contest has been fun for a while. We had, it, it, you go through all these bad dunk contests to get one fun one, like we had with Zach Levine and Eric Gordon. But most of them, the, the all-stars don't actually participate in them. We get guys that don't really have names. And it's like, okay, well, it is about dunks. So maybe somebody can come and show us something. And then you get Jeremy Evans with a fucking GoPro on his head, dunking and, and spinning around the rim. And the point of the dunk was that you could see it from a f uh, first-person perspective. So you could see him twirling around there. That, that still pisses me off. After I probably said this exact thing on an all-star podcast one year ago. And I'm going to say it every year. I'm still pissed about that, and it's been like 10 years. So, one name we have now that's going to be participating in the dunk contest is Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony's got hops. He's got a history with dunking. I'm familiar enough with Cole that I, if we're not going to have actual all-stars, I'm cool with it. Um, obviously, he had been having a pretty good season down here in Orlando, and now he's trying to figure things out with Jalen Suggs, as we talked about. By the way, hopped in a Twitter space with Jalen Suggs this week, if you saw. Uh well, not hopped in. It was literally the NBA's Twitter space that they do every month. They called me for it. Got to talk to them a little bit before Twitter spaces just went haywire. They told me that was probably going to happen. It started kicking me out. Did it, it cut me off on my last question where I was going to ask him about his defense. So I did not get to hear the, the question or hear his answer for that. But the rest of it was cool. I always enjoy talking to players that give thoughtful answers. I Ethan Maker. I'll talk about that at the very end of this podcast. So, yeah, that's the one dunk guy we have right now and uh yeah so cool format change keep doing it change things all the time with all-star weekend i'm always up for it hell change it every year man show us something every year show us something new every year give us something to look forward to uh, i'm gonna it'll at least make me sit in and say okay what's this and that's probably what i do with the rising stars challenge that i otherwise would have probably done something else um with through that time so cool stuff that's my all-star talk let's get into some actual nba talk James Harden and the Brooklyn Nets. So right now he's out with a hand strain. And there had been a lot of talk this week coming up. The talk that uh, I probably mentioned months ago. You remember when I said Harden hadn't actually signed an extension with Brooklyn yet? He hadn't signed with him. We don't actually know what's happening with that. He can leave this summer. You, you remember that conversation, right? I, I put it out there. 
anytime you you put up that type of stuff people go oh he's just waiting and uh, yeah you know what hey he he very much can be just waiting i'm not saying that he he isn't and i'm not saying that he's gonna leave brooklyn but the talks that happened this week are hey he is possibly plotting he possibly plotting a, a, a course to philly there are there joel Embiid is there philly's looking to offload ben simmons did some ben simmons trade talk last week um right <laughs> and do you, you remember my exact sentence i said as soon as i post this podcast more news is going to drop yeah as soon as i dropped that podcast they were like oh no i think they said the kings are out of pursuit and that the the sixers would rather wait until the summer which is not what daryl Morey said with his own mouth a man on the podcast said that the price had been it, it might be a little bit lower because of how good Embiid is playing and then right after that more news dropped that they maybe would prefer to wait so like I said, a bunch of smoke. When it comes to trade talks, there's just a lot of smoke. Um, but they might be preferring to wait because James Harden might be available this summer. So you start thinking about possible signing trades, that type of deal. Okay, a couple of things. First of all, I'd been suspicious about Harden not signing in Brooklyn for a long time now. It, it's evidenced as much by one of the early podcasts. I did bring it up. So there's receipts. I'd been weird about it because it's like, okay, come here. He, he was... This was one of the teams on his short list that he wanted to be traded to. It was a super team. Um, I was always a bit curious, but then I got even more curious with the Kyrie situation. Because what the Kyrie situation does is it effectively, effectively, oh my gosh, what are we doing here? Bruh. It directly affects their ability to win a championship. When you have a game, like a regular season game, where Harden is trying to beat the healthy Lakers damn near on his own. And you and KD is out because he's got a knee injury. You're kind of wondering, well, where's the healthy guy? Oh, we know where he is. He, he can't play basketball in his own arena right now. You also remember I said, we're just going to play that game today. Of, do you remember when I said, you remember when I said, I, I, I'm pretty sure this rule is going to last for a while in New York. I've been to New York and it is the most, it is literally the strictest place I've ever been in terms of COVID rules. I don't understand how we're going to get from January right now to next NBA season. And they're just going to say, okay, Kyrie can play now, or they're going to lift that ban. I don't personally know if, I don't personally think we're on the road to that. Maybe we'll be lucky and we are. I'd love that. It doesn't seem like we're on the road to that. So that creates an environment where this part-time Kyrie thing is permanent. And this part-time Kyrie thing, if it doesn't win a championship this year, it's fair to assume it might not ever win a championship. And if it doesn't, now James Harden is going, okay, well, I can probably put myself in a better position than, uh, you know, having to basically be by myself if both of these guys are out or not being able to win just in general because one of these guys barely plays and we can never really be a full unit. All right, so let's have another conversation. <clears throat> what is Harden actually like right now? It is still on and off, but you've seen more as of late. You've seen more of like the Harden Harden, seen more of him beating guys off the dribble, getting some foul calls, um, finishing through contact. You've seen more Harden like things lately. And it's still he'll still have his bad shooting night. It still happen. What I'm thinking is, OK, he's probably he, he's not he's not washed. And if you get to this offseason where he's actually able to do everything that he regularly does because he's not hurt. It's fair to assume next year you'll probably have a pretty good James Harden. If you get a pretty good James Harden next to this version of Joel Embiid, and oh my goodness, that is going to be a problem. Specifically because Harden leaving the Nets dismantles the only super team in the NBA that currently exists. Who knows if another one will pop up over the summer, but 
if Harden was on Harden leaves Brooklyn, there goes the super team. And then you have part time Kyrie maybe with with Kevin Durant. Oh, my gosh, Brooklyn would be in a bind. Then they need to do everything they can to sign Harden. <laughs> oh, that was the conversation we had probably about four or five podcasts ago where that one tweet said, I don't know if I can give this version of Harden a max contract. And I was, you know, at that time, Harden hadn't even started looking upwards yet. So it was like, huh, that, that's interesting because, damn, they might be in a situation where they have to. Um, but, yeah, they are in a situation where they have to. You can't, you can't lose him. And then lose him to a Eastern competitor that will absolutely wipe the floor with you if, you if they get him. Oh, yeah, that'd be that'd be trouble. And then you start wondering, though, does that happen in a deal where Ben Simmons come back, comes back to Brooklyn? Now, all of a sudden, you got Ben Simmons there and it, it helps you even more defensively and you add some more pieces. I don't know. It, it becomes a whole thing of what if. Right. Um, but yeah, I did just want to slide that across your desk. Some Harden free agency talks was finally starting the rumble because I was wondering when that was going to happen. I was wondering. It's it's same thing with Kyrie Irving, by the way. Um, not not to just I know Nets fans think I hate them now because I've been rightfully skeptical about how a team with part time players would win a championship. I, I don't understand. Like Kyrie, sorry, Nets fans are well, Nets fan. Let's just put it that way. Have been especially sensitive lately. In my mentions but uh yeah also so Kyrie has a player option nobody said a word about this 2022 2023 is a player option for him and so if Harden decides to leave like what does Kyrie do does Kyrie go somewhere where he can play full-time Th- just think about basketball players as, as people for a second I think Kyrie might be kind of upset that he with his personal choice that he can't play uh a full season because the man still has a lot left in the tank you've been watching a play lately right Watching him play lately has just been a very stark reminder that if this team was healthy, nobody would stand a fucking chance more than likely. Uh, I, I know still it would be tough for them to like putting Kyrie there doesn't help you guard Giannis. But damn, if you had these three on the floor at any regular capacity, I don't I'm not sure it would matter anyways. Yeah, Kyrie might want to play full time basketball. He wanted to be in Brooklyn, I know. But if you can't ever play full time and then it doesn't work this year, does he pick up this player option that is for uh, next season? 2022, 2023? I don't know. I don't know, but that hasn't that conversation hasn't even been had yet because he's been so in and out. He's mostly been out of the out of the media. So yeah, that's what's that that was the thing that happened this week. Um, I even saw is that some NBA personnel wanted investigation for fucking collusion. Is that I don't know if that's true or not, but that is hilarious. That sounds very Dan Gilbert esque collusion between Philly and and Harden because obviously Daryl Morey and whatever, and the fact that this news is already coming out. I don't know. Just just putting this out there for right now. Hey, he very well may sign. Maybe Kyrie will be able to play in Brooklyn. All will be great, and they'll go on and play many games together and win a championship. But I've been wondering about this for a long, long time because they have this season has been so. I mean, bless the season, right? Even with COVID, the competition at least in in the standings has been so interesting that we haven't really had to veer off to future talks yet. So this is really the first I've seen of that. I guess it's a good, a good thing. Once again, more smoke. I said earlier, Sacramento had apparently quit on Ben Simmons. So they've quit on the Ben Simmons trade. Uh, they couldn't come up with a package that Daryl Morey wanted. Did also want to show you that Tyrese Halliburton had, what did he have, like 38 points against the Sixers the other night. Almost uh, very nearly carried the Sacramento Kings to a victory. Hit um, many tough shots. His game is improving is where I'm going with that. His, his game is improving. His shot doesn't look like it should work in the NBA, and it does. And he's also doing a lot of things off the dribble this year. They had 38 and 7 in that game. He's been playing without Fox for quite some time. Um, and and now round four on this podcast. I remember when I said 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, how, how much do I say it about the point guards and, you know, Halliburton running his own team? Okay, whatever. I just for the record, I would love to see him not as, as not a member of the Sacramento Kings because I don't think just like Minnesota, nothing good happens in Minnesota. I don't think anything good happens in Sacramento. And uh, I would have I would have jumped out of my seat if you if they could have got that done and he would have been traded to Philly. Now, I know it was probably De'Aaron Fox they were trying to move because I don't at this point, especially with what. Halliburton does without Fox on most nights. I don't think Sacramento wants to trade him. So it's it's probably more likely Fox, but if there was a way Philly could have gotten Halliburton, that would have uh that would have been nice. But Sacramento's quit on that pursuit now, so it's on to other endeavors. Maybe Ben Simmons will not be traded this season. That's looks like it's a thing that can happen right now. So yeah, that's it for the trade talks. It's, again, it's a lot of smoke. Maybe they didn't quit, and maybe there'll be a whole trade in, in two weeks. But that's some of the smoke that's come up. Uh, let's talk about, uh, God, I've, I've talked about a lot of this. Let's talk about, uh, you see, you hear me right now trying to avoid going to the Lakers this early. Um, let's talk about the New York Knicks. Let's talk about the New York Knicks. Cause this has actually been one of the most interesting one season drop-offs that I've seen from multiple perspectives. First of all, a couple of weeks ago, they, or maybe like a week and a half ago, they traded for Cam Reddish. <laughs> I was excited for that because I, I liked some of what I'd seen from him. I'm like, okay, cool. Maybe he goes to a place where he can get a role. And I thought that's why New York had traded for him, except Tom Thibodeau. Or Tom Thibodeau said that, hey, we already have a 12-man rotation. Or we already have, yeah, that, I think that's what he said or something like that. We have a rotation. He's going to have to earn his spot. So he's at, he's going to have to earn his spot in very limited minutes, very limited capacity. And once again, he's not really getting a role. He's played so far uh, two games for the Knicks, averaging seven and a half minutes. Go into his his logs here, like he's he's actually inactive most of these games. I don't, I don't know if that was weird. No, I don't take that long to play after you traded. Yeah, inactive, and you just didn't play some of these games. He hopped in for ten minutes on one game, hopped in for five on the other. Uh, so he's going to have to break through a rotation for a team that has just had an absolute mess of a season. I will say as of late, it does feel like they'd given, uh, they'd given RJ Barrett a bit more of the looks that I wanted to see at the beginning of the season. I didn't want to just see him maybe spacing the floor or shooting threes. Like he's actually driving quite a bit these days. I, I You'd seen an uptick in his production for the month of January. If you, if you just go for the month of January... Uh, you got RJ Barry up to 22 points, six rebounds, 43% from three and uh, 44% from the field. But I, I really like how he's been able to, to get downhill and, and attack and get into the paint. And I like that because I was kind of tired of just seeing him stand there while Julius Randle does whatever 2022 Julius Randle does. And amongst the problems that they have. Obviously, they're not the defensive team that they were last year. They added pieces offensively, which they added offensive pieces, which kind of seemed to have the opposite effect. I thought, OK, this team, that's kind of what they were missing last year is firepower outside of Randall. So you add that. But now your defense is not as good. And what do you actually lean into on offense? Hasn't worked out so far. And Julius Randall is not 2021 Julius Randall anymore. He's just somebody posted a, a clip on Twitter of him. Absolutely hustling back after a free throw last year it was against the lakers shoots a free throw makes it and just sprints back to get to his defensive assignment and 
I'm not. I, I haven't watched Debbie Julius Randall possession this year, so I don't know if he has one like that. But it was more just symbolic of like, damn, he's got his back now, and you you don't see any of the same activity. It feels like. But look at the fall off, bro. The fall off last. So last year he he played just playing 37 minutes a game. So Tibbs was doing Tibbs things and leaning into him um, heavily. Yeah, averaged 24 points a game, 10 rebounds, 24 and 10. We did not forget. The Chris Bosch comparisons, by the way, as I'm reading this, 45% from the field, 41% from three. As a matter of fact, I'm about to tweet that. I'm about to fuck with y'all because I'm going to be real with you. We didn't we didn't forget, bro. We we didn't forget. I'm sorry. I'm tweeting mid podcast. We didn't forget. I'm a fool for this. Y'all comparing Julius Randall to Chris Bosch. We didn't, bro. We did not there was a whole thing with that last year. I, I, I sometimes I wonder if it was trolling. All right, just had to add some caps in here. Yeah, it was um, it was a whole thing last year where it, at a certain point people were like, "Oh, is he better than Prime Chris Bosh?" And it always hurts when those conversations come up because you just start to realize there's so many people who didn't grow up watching certain eras or certain players. And I had seen Chris Bosch from his Toronto days. And I remember how his role got hit when he went to Miami. And it, even through that whole Miami time, I used to think to myself, man, people are going to forget one day that Bosch was not this guy. He, he was not, what, zero points in an NBA Finals game? No, that was not Bosch, man. He was the, the head of a team at one point. But he came and played with two alpha ball handlers. And this is this is him now. So people are going to forget. And they did. And then Julius Randle was compared to Chris Bosch. So that's a thing. <laughs> that's that tweet is already <laughs> that tweet is already getting responses uh, anyways yeah 24 so that's what he's averaging last year julius randall this year is averaging 18 and a half points he is shooting 41 percent from the field 30 percent from three basically attempting the same number of threes but his percentage has gone way way down he ain't hitting them shits them step backs ain't falling he's bad shots the ones it, it really feels like after the hawks series it just never really clicked again and they had to lean into him so heavily and obviously the hawks knew that so defended him a certain way he really ain't recovered from that and he's back to where he essentially was in the season before last so in the 2020 season these are basically his averages it was it was just a, a mid player like a mid-level player he's he can score a little bit but he's probably not the head of a team this is the julius randall that i said was not the future of the knicks when Obi Toppin got drafted and it looked like the Knicks were a rebuilding team. I was like, okay, I, I guess they're gonna. Um, it, it was a it was a tweet that I had before that season, and now of course I see this even with Cam Reddish. This is just who Tibbs is. Tibbs is like, you gotta earn your spot. And so at that time when the Knicks were rebuilding, I was like, okay, yeah, top draft pick. I'm pretty sure this is gonna be the guy that they give the shots to, or just just kind of uh, develop around or develop, do more to develop. I didn't see him coming off the bench. Is what I'm saying. And then when he came behind Julius Randle, I was like, all right. And then Julius Randle had an all-star season, so I look stupid as shit for saying that. But now he's back to <laughs> the rebuilding Knicks Randle. Uh, so that lasted a season. And you just kind of, first of all, you wonder, like, I don't know. You wonder a lot of things about this, about this fall off. Um, right now, where New York, where New York is, they're 12th. They are still in range of the plan, but now things are getting kind of tough. Things are starting to get kind of tough at this point in the season. You're halfway through the season and it's be without trades. It's starting to become a lot of you are who you are. There's still a lot of time to turn it around. Um, but 
the trend line, if there's a trend line that's going heavily in one direction, it gets kind of tricky curving that. And so a team that's curving that right now is the Atlanta Hawks. That's why it's getting tricky for the Knicks. The Hawks have gotten their guys back. Trey Young has been good all season, but now they got their guys back. They're really figuring out some things. Got Onyeka Okongwu coming off the bench, uh, giving the Hawks big minutes. DeAndre Hunter is back. Uh, all of a sudden, they've won seven straight and and seven of their last 10. So, yeah, seven, three in their last 10. And the east is so competitive this year it's probably gonna be hard for them to get very high like even breaking out of the play-in for the hawks right now is difficult but you you do remember atlanta last year started off terribly and we just kind of wrote them off and then they went on a massive run all of a sudden they were a great team and so you kind of wonder hey yeah even if they don't get out, out of the play-in this year are they going to be a very annoying seven seed to deal with um well they have things figured out to that level anyways that, that's just in relation to the knicks um, if you're the Knicks trying to make the playoffs right now, okay, the Hawks are maybe starting to surge. Toronto, uh, I'm going to talk about them soon because they, they got to figure something out, bro. With the lineups, they got to figure something out. Like, something has to happen. <laughs> the Celtics, very volatile. Either Jason Tatum's shots are falling or they're not, so who knows. And then the Charlotte Hornets, who to me are probably only going, again, maybe hard to break out of the play-in. Um, but I, I, I really think they're a good enough team to probably hold serve inside of a play-in so if you're the Knicks it becomes kind of becomes kind of tough because you've been trying to figure things out all season and your all-star is not your all-star anymore um so we, we can actually kind of move to maybe we can move to Toronto from that since we're kind of messing around in the play-in back here for Toronto I just kind of wondered what are they going to do about the fact that they had a triple overtime game the other day against the Heat which was a great matchup by the way there was probably three in and outs that could have decided the game either way that was a that was, that's a crazy ass game um but okay check this out though Pascal Siakam 56 minutes Scotty Barnes 56 minutes OG Ananobi 55 minutes Gary Trent 55 Fred Van Vliet 53 so there's a five starters that played 50, 53 plus minutes behind them. Precious Achua played 15. Chris Boucher played 12. Delano Banton played eight. Who, by the way, once again, round five of remember when I said, remember one of the first G League people I mentioned was Delano Banton because he kills it every time he's down there. I don't know how many years it's going to take, but Delano, he, he's going to have a role in the NBA one day. Uh, it, it'll eventually translate. This is a guy with good size, good handles, um, can get to the rim. When he gets a better, maybe with his jump shot improves a little bit, when he gets better overall, Delano Banton is going to be good for some team. I don't necessarily know if it's going to happen with Toronto. Maybe it will because the development thing is cool, but um, I, I would just implore you to check out some of what he does in the G League because when he has a different role, uh, clearly he belongs in the NBA. And I think that he, he's basically a steal where they got him. Um, anyways, yeah, so he only played eight minutes. He, you know, wasn't really a factor. So they, they essentially kind of played seven rotation players here. Five of those played 53 minutes. And I was kind of bringing this up to say, what are they going to do in terms of getting more basketball players, I guess? Because uh, let's look at our, at our guy, Freddie, who um, I'm still wondering about for the all-star reserve. Let's look at Freddy's month of January. I had been on his all-star train for a while now. Month of Feb is down to 39% field goal percentage. Still 39% from three though. So, you know, how much you really worry about that? You're looking at Freddy boy for the season. He's up to, so yeah, it's, it's about 
Yeah, it's, a, it's about the same, honestly. This is about what he averages. I don't know. It just seems as of late, there had been kind of been a little bit of a shooting slump. Even in that game against the Heat, you get 7 of 22. And I've just been kind of wondering, like, how much of it is the, the load and the insane amount of minutes that he has to log? Like, how many is he averaging for the season right now? You look at Freddy for the season. He's playing 38 minutes, which... Okay, so that's for the most of his career, yeah. This man is logging nearly 40 minutes a game. Who's his backup? Who's playing backup point guard for him? And is it somebody that Toronto Raptors can trust? Anyways, for the playoffs, for them to truly, like, really pop up on my radar, long story short, um, they'll be moving Goran Dragic. I'm not sure what they're going to get for him. Goran Dragic is showing up at games in Miami, just chilling after... <laughs> All, all Dragic did for the Toronto Raptors this year was yell and a huddle that nobody was paying attention to and, and dip. That's basically it. I don't know what trade pieces are going to get for him, but he's basically not a part of the rotation at all right now. He's basically not a part of the team at all right now. So you could maybe turn him into a, a basketball player, which would be great because right now, even the rotations get short. I'm saying Toronto can be annoying and, and they're fun, but um, that, that won't even be... Let's see, a seed right now. You had to play the Heat in the in the first round. A healthy Heat, by the way. You'll get Kyle Lowry back. Um, maybe it'll be fun just from an X's and O's perspective. Nick Nick Nurse does know how to finesse, and he's a walking meme, by the way. That man was <laughs> that man was holding his knees like he played the other night in that Miami game. Um, but without some type of legitimate depth. I guess this conversation doesn't really matter that much for the Raptors since they don't have title aspirations or anything. But without any type without any type of legitimate depth, you just kind of wonder like how annoying can they really be to one of these top teams in the east should they make the playoffs um and then i guess i'm just worried about general burnout and safety of guys <laughs> kind of like when how, how tibbs would run his guys into the ground um except nurse doesn't really seem like he has a choice is all i'm kind of saying so that's just something that's just a note i had written down for the toronto raptors but they've been gritty they've been figuring it out and they yeah, they, it'd be very hard. It'd be hard for anybody besides the Hornets to get out of play in range right now. Um, but the Raptors are still fun, regardless. The Raptors are a fun team to watch and pay attention to. I'm wondering, are they going to roll with this core that they have for the foreseeable future and maybe try to get a piece? Or is Siakam... Because I've heard I've heard Siakam's name just mentioned in some, in some, trade, some trade talks. And that fascinates me. Just because I'm in general, I'm I'm wondering about this team that's still got remnants of of their championship a couple of years ago, and which direction do you go from here? It makes it easier that you that you were able to finesse Scotty Barnes because if you need to rebuild, you can. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's pretty much what I have for the Toronto Raptors right now. We had our Julius Randle conversation, uh, had a little bit of our Hawks conversation, just in terms of trade smoke. This is really less smoke. I actually saw something that I agreed with. I got to give my Pelicans some love. Brandon Ingram is in and out of the lineup just like all the time. Uh, but I had been kind of wondering about them for the future. And one thing that I saw this morning is that New Orleans Pelicans reportedly view CJ McCollum as the ideal veteran scorer and leader to play alongside Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. I agree. I don't know how they would get them. What would it cost them? Because if it's going <laughs> to, as a matter of fact, you know what? I already don't like where this is going. Never mind. I think I hate this now. There we go. You see, you just heard my thought process play out in 20 seconds. Went from loving this to hating this. I think it would probably end up costing them a Herb Jones. And just from what he's able to bring defensively, and I think he has the tools to develop a, a decent offensive game, I would maybe not want to get rid of him. 
it's going to cost you in that range, maybe a Devontae Graham. I, I'm not sure exactly how this works, but I had agreed with it at first because I am very interested in this is something I probably when we were doing more Zion talk back when people still thought he was going to play for some reason. Uh, I, I kind of wondered aloud, how does Zion and Brandon Ingram work when it comes back? It's like the most fascinating thing for me, just seeing how Ingram plays and how much he's able to do on ball. He's a guy that I think would probably get more all-star consideration if people cared about the Pelicans one bit. But he is also very up and down this season, too. There's He has these great games, and then you'll pop up and you'll see a night like 3 of 15 or something. Um, it, but it's, you know, young, t- young guy, young team, it happens. Anyways, just from his type of game, though, I kind of wondered, okay, like he does he does float around in that mid-range area a lot. Uh, he, he gets to his spots. He was on out there as a guy who needs his space as well and uh, also is able to just create by himself. So I just kind of wonder what fits with that with that dynamic. And you add a CJ McCollum to that. All of a sudden, you got a guy who, you know, is how first of all, how old is CJ McCollum? Can you tell I am ready for the demise of the CJ Damian Lillard Blazers backcourt? I really am. Uh, that's another reason I liked this. CJ is oh, he's 30. Yeah, so yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's that's about it. So he's 30. Um you had you had his three-point shooting. I think that helps it work in the future, should they stay together, should Zion ever return. Um that definitely helps. Maybe he doesn't have to create as much, but also, hell, his what he can do as an on-ball creator too, absolutely. Fits better there than trying to pretend it's ever going to win with Damian Lillard. Um, fits next to Brandon Ingram. Gives Zion even more space. That'd be great. So, hell, if it does cost you a Herb Jones, do you do that? I don't know. I don't know if that name matters to y'all because you can't find any Herb Jones defensive highlights. It's something you just got to see if you turn on a Pelicans game, which I don't know how many people are doing that. But yeah, that is something that that is something that just caught my eye. The Utah Jazz, bro. The Utah Jazz are in a terrible position. They've been missing Donovan Mitchell, who, by the way, I wanted to apologize. Everything seems to be health and safety protocol. So last week when I said he was out with health and safety, that's not what it was. It was actually concussion protocol. I think I saw the word protocol and immediately my mind said health and safety. No, Donovan was not health and safety. It was concussion. Rudy Gobert has also been out. So now it's twofold. When it was just Donovan Mitchell out, when it's just one of the two out, you can kind of evaluate. Okay, that's a fun conversation. Who's more important? When Gobert goes out, you see that team just ain't shit defensively. And perimeter defenders already ain't shit, but they, especially when Gobert goes out and there's nobody to cover for the, the penetration pause. Yeah, it's it's it gets real tough for Utah. It gets dark for them real quick. I would probably argue, first of all, that Utah team can never go a- anywhere without either one of them. But damn, it is hard to say that Gobert is not the most important player on that team because they just don't have any semblance of defense without him. Anyways, they're not missing one or the other. They're missing Donovan Mitchell's on-ball creation. They're missing the shooting. They're missing his slashing. They're missing everything that Donovan Mitchell brings. And they're missing Gobert. So because of that, they're falling. On top of that, Joel, Joe, oh God, I wanted to say Joel Embiid. Joe Ingles, who, by the way, let me, this information is more than likely going to drop, rightfully so, after I drop this podcast. Um, Joe Ingle. Okay, yeah, so it hasn't been updated yet. I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. I hate it, but I, I really think he tore his ACL. If you've seen the video, he collapsed. He was driving. His foot just gave out under him. His knee bent the other way. I think he tore his ACL. Um, 
but maybe we'll get lucky and it's just some type of strain but damn nah, he the way he went to the ground the way he screamed after that it looks like a very significant knee injury joe the, the utah jazz were already fighting a not even uphill battle it's a up like mountain battle to actually contend this year um you, you miss joe angles and his floor spacing just in general who by the way is am I on the right page sheesh yeah he is definitely not having a season that he had last year um yeah he's not having a season he had last year at all but if you even had any hope of doing anything in the playoffs you, you would need his floor spacing you need him to be out there you need joining to be out there him not being out there not having a great season right now but also still there's that's just on top of the other issues they had um utah is is in a very bad situation i'm interested to see if they're gonna be in the market especially now the angles that i'm sure they're, they're gonna they're gonna be the trade market because they just they needed something before he went out anyways all that to get to the fact that with everything going on with them they are one game into that fourth spot right now they could be sixth here pretty soon depending on how much the slide how far the slide goes they've lost their last five this slide continues they, they play in i don't know but they're one game in front of denver they're one game in front of the mavericks that slide is looking very very doable right now Jokic is having obviously a season for himself having a stretch for himself too and his team the nuggets have won five straight tweeted this morning man denver being a four seed that didn't look attainable for a while uh utah lost everyone i did make sure to give myself some bail when i said utah wouldn't lose that fourth spot that hey this season who knows what's happening with health so it could happen and it is happening <laughs> they lose that fourth spot denver becomes a four seed Jokic with everything he's doing i only thought a Jokic repeat mvp couldn't happen because of them being six seed and all the competition that they have well the east their top mvp candidates could literally finish fifth and only be two games out of first that could happen right now and Denver could finish fourth. That would give him a really, really good chance. Uh, and not even just from technical standing battles. Did y'all see what he did to the Bucks last night? Well, it was an average scoring night for him, but I believe he had about 15 assists. And the thing about Jokic and his passing all the time, but especially this season, when I watch him play, it's how many assists that he that he dishes out that won't make a highlight reel but are still incredibly hard passes he had two of them back to back against the nuggets that uh, against the bucks that resulted in threes last night he had one that was a skip to the wing i believe or the corner for for uh monte morris and he had another one for aaron gordon it's literally just him surveying and he sees help coming towards him and he just flips the most accurate pass you've ever seen all the way across the court to the open man and it's kind of crazy because on one hand, for if you're the defense, you, you do want to, especially because he handles the ball. Jokic handles the ball quite a bit. He even has guys set screens for him. So you do want to focus your defensive attention as much as you can towards him just because he can pull up and shoot over about anybody. But also you, you give him those passes and they, they're difficult for anybody else to make. But he literally just like flings them and they are so difficult but he makes them look so easy that they don't make highlight reels. The one that will make the highlight reels is the one that you saw, like, where he saw it coming. Um, this is also against Milwaukee. Uh, I think there was some... As a matter of fact, so I don't describe the play totally wrong, because I, I filmed it when I saw it. So here you have a play where... Yeah, here's the vid. 
let me turn this down so this don't get in my video my podcast yeah so okay he sets the screen the milwaukee bucks do what they do they they blitz quite a bit um but Giannis sees that just a little bit late and he leaves the body of jeff green because grayson allen and bobby portis are both on the ball Giannis comes up to Jokic. Jokic already sees the play. He literally catches the ball and throws a bullet to Jeff Green for honestly what wasn't really that open of a layup. See, that's the thing is these passes that he throws, they are like passes that other people would throw and probably get picked because Drew Holiday did the right thing. Drew Holiday shifted over from the corner and probably should have been able to steal this pass, but Jokic saw the play so far ahead of time. That it was it was a difference of like a couple of tenths of a second and jeff green catches it drew holiday just missed the steal and it's a layup for jeff green the thing about this is is this is not the only play that Jokic saw way before it happened last night so he saw this coming when he saw the bucks defending the screen like this he knew he already knew Giannis was coming to him he was already setting his body to throw this pass he had another one like that where he directed so it actually was the one to aaron gordon i don't have film of that but the one to Aaron Gordon is Jokic directing both sides of traffic. He told Aaron Gordon and whoever else was on that side of the floor, pointed them a certain direction. Then he pointed the guys on the right side of the floor, another direction, set a screen. It's like he knew the help was coming. Aaron Gordon has a wide open three. He controls everything, man. He controls everything for this team. They might be a four seed. And they took apart the Bucks last night, who were healthy, by the way. That was about as healthy as a buck. I mean, obviously they're missing Brooke Lopez the entire season, but the big three was there. Gosh, were they? It's like I barely even saw Chris Middleton. Yes, because they only took eight shots and had nine points. Yeah, they're, the regular cast of, of starters was there, and the Bucks just got hammered. They're also five and five in their last ten. They have been dropping some games, some questionable games, but I guess every team has a stretch like that. I'm not really that worried about it. Still only two games at a first. Just for reference, the Nets are six, so there's, there's standings in the East are still as jumbled as ever but yeah they got they got dismantled by the nuggets and a lot of it was just Jokic on both ends of the floor by the way very good defensive rotations as well covering pick and roll taking up a lot of space in the paint um it, it, uh, the, this is why i brought asher on specifically a couple of weeks ago because i just had these thoughts like man they just had a healthy murray and healthy Porter Jr., they'd be like they were last year where we thought they were championship contenders. I hope they at least get Jamal Murray back because now, especially because Utah's in the slump, Andrew Ingles is, is going to be gone and they're going to need to figure out, first of all, their health and then what they want to do to bolster their roster. I'm very interested to see a Denver-Utah first round. I hope it works out that uh, I would actually rather see Denver and Dallas and then Utah get that sixth seed and have to play Memphis in the first round. <laughs> Memphis will beat them, bro. This year, I think Memphis will beat them. Um... Denver, Jamal Murray, and Utah. Oh, gosh, yeah, I, I want to see you, bro. Utah might get got. I think the league smells. I think the West smells blood on them right now. Well, yeah, that's basically what I want to say with the Nuggets. Not doing a whole updated MVP ladder, but it is getting you know halfway through the season, and uh, Jokic is in a great position right now, man. Jokic is in a great position. Before, yeah, I, again, I, I think I'm making a habit of sa saving them last. I did want to put some positive news out into the universe for the San Antonio Spurs. Greg Popovich is going to be the winningest coach in NBA history soon. I believe he has seven wins off. Could have been six last night, but they lost late to the Phoenix Suns. Um, shout out Bismack Biombo. 
setting screens, playing defense and rolling. Just every time you turn on the TV with Chris Paul, the most fascinating thing that happened this season. <laughs> Bismack Biombo rules. No, I just didn't think it was going to happen. That's not that wasn't on my 2022 bingo card, but whatever. Anyways, yeah, the Spurs, if they can nab seven more wins, which might. Are they going to get seven more wins this year? Yeah, they, they'll get seven more wins this year. Yeah, he'll be the winningest coach in NBA history. And then at some point you wonder the Spurs, you know, when do they plan to move on? Because I don't think Popovich plans to be around for this entire rebuild. So maybe if you got it this season, would this be it? I don't know. I'm not rushing Popovich out. There's a couple of retirements that are going to happen in my life where I'm just really going to realize my age. Like over the weekend where we got the false report that the entire internet went for saying Tom Brady retired. That was the one where it kind of felt like I was in the future. Like, whoa, Tom Brady doesn't play football anymore. That feels like the the impending one day report that LeBron retired. Popovich is going to be one of those for me because he's literally been there with the Spurs. My That's like one of the constants in my life. So anyways, not that important to spend that much time on. Just did want to put it out there because we don't talk about the Spurs much if it don't involve DeJounte Murray. Or Yaka Perto, by the way, who did he put 21 and 11 on? That, that was not Philly they played the other night. Uh, Yaka Perto is interesting. Yaka Perto is interesting because he, he's like the most plain Jane center you can think of. But sometimes he'll, he'll pop a stat line out like that. San Antonio just used to figure out where they're going to go. I, I don't want to do Spurs talk right now. I want to do Spurs talk. Um theoretically could still make the play in but i kind of want to see them do bad just so they can get more pieces and really have a, a rebuild i guess that's kind of what i'm saying yeah it, it it's not that complicated jason tatum had a pretty good month of january and from what i see it's literally just either the ball go in goes in for him on the shots he's taking or it doesn't that i'm gonna be real that's what i see it's a lot of the shots he takes are still tough the Celtics aren't in any better of a position, in my opinion, but he did put up 27 and a half on um, 46% from the field. So at least just closer to him, his regular self. He came into this season and I was one. I don't even remember now if I was. Jo yeah, I was joking. Uh, I, I, every season that starts, I'm going to put Tatum MVP propaganda out there, but we just didn't even get close to that. I did not expect the regression is basically where I'm going with it. But he had a decent month of January, so we'll see if they pick it up a little bit. Um, but once again, Jason Tatum watching the Celtics play and then watching Tatum play, it's like, OK, either that that fadeaway is going to fall and that tough contested shot is going to fall and he's going to look great or it's not. And these the Celtics fortunes are. With this roster not going to change either way. It's just kind of what it looks like. Okay. I think I can get to where I was dreading going now. Anthony Davis is back. Well, he was back and then he went out. And now he's back again. So that happened very quickly. I think he fell on his wrist in that first game. Um, So he went back to the locker room. It's, it's actually insane that it's not just an over-exaggerated joke about his health. It is really all the, it's an all-the-time thing with him. It's a full-time job. Well, if you're a fan of the Lakers, uh, probably, and, and hoping that he's going to just be be there for you. Anyways, first game, he didn't score that much, but his defense had already made a difference. I think he had four blocks in a very short amount of time. And I like the looks that he's gotten since, he, since he's been back. So in the two games after that, you, you see him putting up AD-like numbers. And that's what I was worried about to start. Well, not worried about. That's just what I was monitoring. Because anytime a guy has a really big layoff like that, you wonder if they're going to uh, take how long they're going to take to move the same or 
if they're going to be able to get their their rhythm back how long that's going to take well kind of seems like not only is he kind of picked picked up um actually better than where he left off at least for the start i really do like the looks that he, he's been getting to specifically in the hawks game um lebron is out we'll get to that in a second but it really seemed like less of giving him the ball really far out from the goal and him taking some contested shot or him firing way too many threes it really felt like a lot less of that and more getting him around the rim getting him in that post hook territory uh, or just getting him the ball for an easy finish or getting him um again like it closer to like the the mid the uh, like just the mid-range area not the elbow but the mid-range area where he can kind of face up and create something for himself and not just take contested elbow jumpers so i like that that is that's good stuff for the lakers and he obviously changes them defensively but as soon as that happens and the lakers i do want to put it out there again they played the nets their first game that was like the healthiest we've seen them in a long time it's the first time i'm pretty sure we've seen that lineup with stanley johnson out there with both of them but it, it's the nets with just james harden so it was a great game for the lakers sure but it wasn't that impressive and that's not even the problem anyway so ad goes out that game and he's back now but now lebron is out lebron james has general swelling in his left knee and vogel says he ain't coming back until that's gone oh boy where are the gray hairs man 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 these are the things that don't happen to lebron james that have never happened to lebron james that are starting to happen to lebron james um it, it it doesn't worry me as much as like the Draymond stuff because the Draymond stuff they're like oh his calf and his disc in his back all that shit. I'm like bro what like what's actually wrong is he gonna be back anytime soon it's kind of where I'm with Draymond general swelling it maybe doesn't worry me as much as that but it still does worry me just because that seems like a thing that could be recurring it's again messing with his rhythm um and the Lakers right now so they lost a winnable game yesterday Anthony Davis was very frustrated about that he had some comments about turnovers, which I found fascinating, but either way, the use of the Hawks, the thing that's starting to happen now is once again, I'm bringing up that halfway point of the season, they're ninth, they're ninth. Um, they are game and a half back of that seventh. So not that that could change like snap of a finger. Sure. The Clippers have been pretty solid. Shout out to Amir coffee. I have some coffee puns coming for your ass, but anyways, yeah, the Clippers without their guys and not knowing if they're going to get them back or not have been solid enough to just kind of stay in this range. Minnesota Timberwolves, same thing. I think their record could be much better uh, if they had just not had a lot of the problems that they've had. If, if Pat Bev could get on the floor and stay there. Um, but anyways, that's two solid teams in front of them, though. At this point, the Lakers are getting into a situation that where they could be stuck in the play because they're five games out of it now. Dallas Mavericks playing good defenses here. Luka has really gotten into form. Denver's looks like they're going nowhere but up. Um, it's getting tough if you're a ninth seed team five games out of the play in to play yourself out of that. And it's also very tough when you can you cannot get all your guys on the floor, which is what I said in the championship video I did. Just in case Laker fans are going to be mad at me for totally leaving them out of the title conversation, which this season, if you're just realistic, I don't know why you would be. Um, one thing I said is I'm not betting anymore that they're ever going to be able to get all these guys on the floor at the same time. LeBron, general swelling. At least it waited until Anthony Davis came back. Because, oh boy, if they had to go, if this had happened 
two weeks ago, oh man, that, that could have gotten ugly. At least maybe you maybe you can lean on AD for some wins, but how many can you really? How much has he ever won without LeBron James on the floor here? Um, they lost a close game to the Hornets as well the other night, in which that was an interesting loss. So uh, yeah, I, I have nothing. I have nothing really to say about the Le- LeBron injury that you probably aren't already thinking. Don't know how long he's going to be out. Uh, you don't even have that much time to figure out things anymore, and they desperately need to figure them out. They might be stuck. But the Hornets game, it was the it was the Westbrook experience. It was the full-on Westbrook experience. He brought them back, and I'm so ingrained. I have the Westbrook experience so ingrained to my head into my head that I knew how the game was going to end. I didn't know if they were going to win it or not, but I knew where it was going. Because once he hit those two threes, matter of fact, I think he hit that same three-pointer from the left wing about three times in that game. And he, by the way, he was killing it. That second half, he was, um, you know, you know, just finding soft spots in the Hornets' defense and getting to the rim pretty much at will. So he did great things there. And then when the Lakers needed to come back and they were running short on time, he started hitting those threes. Now, he hit two of those in a row. When they the game came down to the final shot and they were down by two points. Me and my brother were watching it and I said, Westbrook is about to take this this three. This is, this is a heat check three and it's for the game. This is the exact type of shot that Westbrook will take, maybe make and absolutely beat his chest on. Knew he was going to take it. He did. It did not go. We got the hilarious Michael Jordan meme from that. Um, hey, he went for the win. He went for the win on a heat check shot that he had made twice. But I also just kind of wonder being down to why not maybe get something going towards the rim. Why not run a different action than just dribble, dribble, dribble? Pretty contested shot, even though you'd made it twice. I, I don't know. That's that. That was just thought I had about that shot. Either way, um, shout out to AD for returning. Ron James promptly makes his exit right as AD returns, and they've uh, don't you don't know when you get LeBron back now. You don't know when you get LeBron. I hope it's soon. He was putting himself at least in the MVP conversation. Um, I'm I am proud of y'all for not digging yourselves too many holes i didn't see too many people banging their head against the wall screaming for lebron to win mvp because i realized i think a lot of people realize from where they are in the standings that it's had no chance of happening so shout out to y'all for using the good sense you were born with this time around because i i just saw it coming i i don't follow nick right but i i really felt i really felt like i was going to see his tweet pop up eventually <laughs> his lebron mvp tweet pop up on my timeline eventually didn't happen yeah, it's a it's a very it's getting it's getting dark in La La Land right now. It is getting dark in La La Land for both teams, really, because PG just is in the wind and if PG ain't coming back, Kawhi ain't coming back. They have no reason to bring Kawhi back if PG doesn't come back first. But that's also interesting. Um, but once again, coffee. That's all I have for you right there. I'm not discussing the Clippers today. Just coffee. Blazers round out that play-in spot. Anthony Simons still serving buckets, doing good things for the Portland Trail Blazers. Just kind of sitting there waiting for them to see the writing on the wall, but we've already been through that. So I've got some topics to kind of start ramping down the pod with. We will go to... Yeah, actually, go, going from the Lakers game, the Lakers and Hornets, with MJ and Braun, I, I did find it interesting because, first of all, I knew that was going to be a meme the second I saw it. When they showed MJ watching the game, I think when Westbrook hit a three and they zoomed in on his face, I was like, yep, 
Thank you. Thanks for the addition. This will make a fine addition to the meme collection. It has, so bless Twitter for that. But I was also kind of thinking, well, first of all, MJ is an owner, right? MJ has been an owner for Charlotte for a long time, so you don't necessarily expect to see interactions between MJ and Braun. But seeing both of them in the arena, LeBron in street clothes, obviously, MJ in his little box up there. It just kind of made me rem remember like, wow, we really don't get any kind of interactions between them. Uh, MJ doesn't say anything about Braun in the media. Braun don't really say much about him unless it's like a milestone coming up. Um, you don't see many acknowledgments. The last acknowledgement that I remember from them was, I think, when the Heat beat the Bobcats and MJ was sitting courtside. I don't even know if it was in the playoffs or regular season, but there was an embrace there. That's legitimately the last embrace I remember. Again, I guess it kind of makes sense since he's an owner. It just is weird seeing one of the three goats not interact like ever. But then people brought up good points on that tweet, though. They're saying, hey, what is MJ? Like, how, how much older is MJ than Braun? He's from a different generation. Um, you don't yeah, they're not supposed to embrace a lot. They're not supposed to interact a lot. Yeah, I get that. It just also it just still feels kind of weird just because, again, the goat tier that they share a and then be the lack of any kind of talk that you hear about it because i get mj and kobe played together and they had a relationship so it made sense that mj would do a lot of talk about kobe and they even kept in touch so that makes sense but like even in shaq okay shaq is a per tv personality so you hear sh it's his job to discuss lebron sometimes um kareem does discuss lebron but it, I, we had went through that on the pod the whole goats don't dance thing that was a very we know kareem feels some type of way that's how i'm gonna take that um, but he has talked about him. Magic has been involved with basketball. He was he, part of getting LeBron to LA, so that makes sense. Even before and after that, I feel like you still hear Magic talk about LeBron. I don't know. It just it just felt strange. That's all. Just seeing them in it, it's not deep at all. It's not deep. Just seeing them in the arena at the same time was just like, huh. There's never been really any interactions between them. You never hear MJ say anything about him. But there's ways to explain it. It just is very weird. Kobe and LeBron, there was so much love between them. Obviously, they were competitors, so that made sense. Same thing, Kobe and MJ, so much love between them. They were competitors, and they were like brothers. And it's just no... And I guess there's reason. There is reason for MJ and LeBron not to have intera interactions, but two goats alive at the same time, and just no type of interaction, no type of media interaction. It's, it's strange. And of course, from the smartasses on Twitter, oh, y'all want them to, to kick it and hug? Like, no, motherfucker, nobody said that. People stay just taking sentences and making their own fantasy land ideas out of shit you say on Twitter. That's why I don't be answering nobody. I think it's just weird. Anyways, more that came from Twitter. Um, I saw a hilarious interaction under the Wolves post about Zach Levine, Wiggins, and Cat. But that did, aside from the hilarious interaction, that did kind of make me think, man, look at these three and where they are now. And I think it was Zach Levine who said they that people just wanted that process to go so fast and they didn't really have a lot of time of course Levine tore his ACL look at him now Wiggins an all-star starter Cat one of the best big men in the NBA Zach Levine one of the best shooting guards in the NBA damn if the Wolves weren't at least looking like they had a bright future right now that would be very tough because those three together you start to wonder uh not really I guess it kind of goes to what I said earlier was Wiggins ever really going to develop in Minnesota what if they could have? That would have, that have been a hell of a core. It kind of reminds you of the Lakers team that probably would have never worked. But I did see a picture of everyone from the old Lakers team of Ingram, Randall. Uh, who else was on that team? Lonzo, um, Larry Nance. It's like every one of them went on to have a, a pretty good 
and it was more in that pick. Jordan Clarkson, everyone, every one of them went out to carve a decent role for themselves at one point in time. But would it have ever all worked together? I don't know. That, that little Wolves picture and, and comment from Zach Levine made me think of that. It's really not that important. Nothing great ever happens in Minnesota. Except Anthony Edwards. Shout out Black Jesus. I didn't call him that. He called himself that. I would never call another man Black Jesus. I'd never call another man Jesus. Unless it was his name. To wrap this up. A, just so I can fully finish off real life basketball. I did attend a G League game. Did it a G League game. My first one got to sit basically courtside as media. It was really cool. It's the Magic versus Long Island Nets. I was there with the sole goal of interviewing Thon Maker. Um, just some general notes about the game. If you don't have... I, I would say two names from that game. First of all, Craig Randall. Second, you would only know that name if you pay attention to the G League. He had a try. I think he tried out for the Long Island Nets to play for them. And that boy can cook. He's had multiple 40 point games already. The game that I was at that I saw live, I think he had 36 points and the boy can cook. That, that man has some very shifty and loose handles that nobody can take from him has a crazy off offensive game can shoot off the dribble um with his scoring numbers i'm pretty sure at some point you'll see him get a call up and of course most call-ups get to the nba and and get, score like four points in seven minutes or something like that but craig randall can play though watching that in real life was nice same thing with admiral schofield plays for the magic uh that is a very physical is he a guard i'm not fully sure if he played if he was in the guard or forward spot but that boy is physical that man was, it has a mean downhill driving game. And since I was courtside, I was just watching him drive into to bodies. And I was just like, man, I am glad I chose to talk about basketball and not play this shit. <laughs> I mean, I still play it. I still play it. But glad I, I didn't you know, really try to go any further because the mental preparation that it takes. To, and this is the G League level. This is the minor level. And you've never heard the name Admiral Schofield before. I was like, and who knows if he can get any of those drives off in the NBA. But that man is so goddamn strong and was going into the chest of these other much larger humans and knocking them to the ground. I was like, man, this is this is a crazy game. Watching a game up close because a lot of them have or, or have played professionally before or will play professionally. Like David Duke Jr., who, who plays for the Nets sometimes. He's on assignment. Um, yeah, I saw him out there. There's a lot of guys in the, like three of the Magic players. Hell, even Schofield, I think he did play for the Magic this season. A lot of them have already played like in the NBA and sitting courtside at that game. I was just like, bro, the speed of this game is absolute insanity uh, at the pro level. Uh, I can't wait to sit courtside at an NBA game one day because th I think that's what stuck out the most to me. Aside from the physicality, it's just the split second decisions that they have to make. You don't have any time to think. You have to. Everything is super read and react on that court. They're moving at such breakneck speeds. You have to know, OK, if I'm from shooting after the step back, I'm shooting after the step back. And if 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 there's a counter to it, I got to be ready to maybe pass it to the big man that's there and, and maybe cut afterwards. Like You got to have all that shit just going. That game is so fast. And that's one of the things I asked on Maker. So Thon didn't play a whole lot. He's getting back into rhythm right now. He just came back from overseas. I think he's only played one or two G League games. This might have been his second or third one that he just that he played. So he didn't he didn't play a whole lot. Um, but interviewing him was cool. I asked him about the speed of the game. He actually said that G League is uh, faster. I have to fact check it, but he said, yeah, because of the possessions and shit like that. And the pace is actually is, is even faster there. So um, but hell, that, that probably is true, considering the sets that I ran in the NBA. Um, but for him, yeah, uh, the interview will come out maybe this Wednesday. Maybe we'll put it in the show this Wednesday on the G League show that we do. 
um, on that channel at six like thirty on Wednesdays. Um, I've ne- that's my first in person interview, and this man is is he seven foot one? Yeah, I've never seen a, a a human that giant up close. It it doesn't look real. This shit is ridiculous. <laughs> I was trying to do the interview and I was struggling to hold the camera because I was trying to read my questions at the same time. I realized his head was cut off. Yeah, it's like a literal walking giant. It's crazy. But Thon is cool, man. Thon Maker is is, is really cool. Um, he was very gracious and gave great answers. I did not ask him his age. Everyone on Twitter, I had forgot that was a thing until I watched Mike Quizimba's video. I asked you, the people on Twitter, what I should ask him, and 90% of the questions were asking what his age is. <laughs> and then I went and watched the video and I was like, oh, that's why. Okay, interesting. I wasn't going to ask him that. I'm going to be a dig. I mean, it was way too nice for that anyways. I'm not going to hound him about that. He already made his millions, regardless of if he's if he was 18 in middle school. It don't matter, bro. <laughs> But if I if I ever if I ever get cool with him one day, eh, he wouldn't tell me that. Anyways, um, yeah. So did the interview. That's cool. If you weren't if you weren't aware that Thon Maker is in the G League, he is there. Not sure how far it'll go, um, but that is a thing that's happening. And if you have a G League team in your in your city and you you're not doing nothing, you can't afford to go to an NBA game. I would honestly recommend you go to one like you can get a good view because those gyms be small as hell. So you can get a good view of guys that are probably have played in the NBA before. Oh, that's who. Yeah, I knew I was missing something sitting here talking. And I'm like, I'm definitely getting around something. Yeah, Jordan Crawford was cooking. You remember Jordan Crawford, right? The one who uh, dunked on LeBron and allegedly the Nike tape had been confiscated back in like 2009. And he played for the Celtics NBA journeyman. Yeah, that's what's really fun about being at a, at a G League game is seeing guys who you grew up you know, aware of and watching them play against guys who are NBA hopefuls is Jordan Crawford is it was like the older, older guy at a L.A. fitness run who clearly played at some official level. And he comes in, he's just cooking. Crawford was cooking, man. They couldn't do nothing with him. He was coming off of screens. The Magic were running this this big man. I'm not exactly sure what his name is, but they're running this big man that um, in PNR, clearly he can't move his feet that well. And so he was pretty much in drop and Crawford was just coming off screens, getting bucket after bucket. And then even when they were able to get over a screen or contest a shot, he was still hidden. So, yeah, if you ever catch yourself wondering for any reason how talented an NBA player is, just know Jordan Crawford at whatever age he's at right now and however long he's been out of the NBA can still cook NBA hopeful. So that's always fun. Um, yeah. And that's all basically all I have to say about that experience. I'll probably I can go to those games whenever I want, but it's a long drive, so. I pick and choose my games. The very last thing I want to talk about on this podcast is NBA 2K and play now online mode with friends. What the hell? What the hell? What the hell was that? Me and my buddy, who's basically, he's partly responsible for me being a YouTuber because I don't know if I ever told the story. Like I, I tell it when people ask, but I never told it on demand that one of the reasons in 2012 that I very first wanted to be a YouTuber was because me and my friend had been playing 2K at that point for about four or five years. And our games are just always so, so competitive. And we do play now online matches and we would do series. We do seven game series. And so they were so fun. I was like, yeah, man, I'm going to get a HD PVR and record our games and put them on YouTube. That's literally the seed idea for why I wanted to be a YouTuber. Anyways, me and him have been playing since 2K8 now. And so we still play together these days. And he just finally got a PS5. So shout out to those of y'all who are still trying to finesse him. Finally got one. It's like, oh, cool. Let's do our series that we used to do. Because we hadn't been, it's been spotty in our adult life. 
we get on the play now online and we realize that you cannot control the length of a play now online game with your friend or the difficulty i repeat you can't control the length of a play now online game if you want to play your friend for 12 minutes you can't which i don't know why you would want to anyways but if you just want to play for more than five you can't and if you don't want to green every single shot you can't well you can you can i don't I, I probably just confused you you're playing on rookie fam or pro or whatever it is and you can't affect it so what we had to do is start an online my league pick our teams ahead of time and this is for it, this is more work for those of y'all that just want to play one game against each other if you just want to play one game on hall of fame against your friend you have to go through this whole process and probably find each other on the schedule so you can play for us, since we're doing seven game series, we're like, okay, well, this is kind of cool. We can play with the finals logo on the court. So we send ourselves all the way to the finals and play. And so we'll get a trophy presentation. So it's kind of cool for us because we've been doing the series thing uh, all our lives. Well, it's for like 10, 15 years. Uh, we, we never actually had like the trophy presentation and stuff. So that's kind of cool. But we have to do all that just so we can play on Hall of Fame six minutes. 2K, that's such a simple thing. I, it's like I said, right? It's like I said, probably, I don't I don't know, round six of, remember when I said, or round seven? I don't remember when I said it, but it really seems like they've done everything they can to discourage users playing PO since they either don't want to get low enough to monetize it or they can't monetize it. Because why would you take out that simple function? They don't even have team up on next gen anymore. Remember team up, toxic team up we were doing last year that was way more entertaining than it got credit for? We can't even do that anymore. They just anything like that that they don't make money off of. They just don't want to. They don't want to do it, fam. They don't pay attention to it, and it's very simple stuff. I just had to put that note in there because a lot of y'all probably don't notice because maybe you either don't play 2K anymore or you don't play with your friend. Like even if you hate 2K all the way, being able to play with a childhood friend is a very simple form of fun that you can still get up for, right? Even that's a challenge now, but that's a workaround in case you were wondering. So that's what we're doing. And what I'm doing now is ending this podcast. I have talked about everything that I care to talk about this week. Remember that this is on Spotify, it's on Apple Podcasts. If you're watching it on YouTube, it helps to press the like button. I know you ain't finna press share and put it on your Twitter or nothing like that, so I ain't even gonna bother you. But if you just hit the like button, keep it moving, that's cool. If you're on Spotify, helping the ratings, very much appreciate you. It'd be awesome to get the 500 here sometime soon, maybe even before the All-Star Weekend, which I guess I won't be at, but we will be doing some type of watch party on the 20th on the NBA channel. Um, I don't know who I'm on there with yet, but... Um, oh yeah, speaking of NBA channel, shout out to Ben Taylor, by the way, thinking basketball. I saw his Jokic video, got it, got on there. Or he made a Jokic video for them. That's great. That's such a good thing that they're promoting that type of content. I really like that because his, his breakdowns are um, they are. What's the word I'm looking for? I'm just going to say they're extremely good, extremely good. So I'm glad to see the NBA promoting that type of content. That is cool. Well, yeah, so you can go and give that a look as well. I appreciate you all for listening and I will see you all in February.